0: This is the start of the announcement time. Since I'm here already, I'll start. Super Bowl party, our first annual well Super Bowl party will be here at the church Sunday, February 11th to be determined on the game time. Game will be in Las Vegas. We will be here in Ohio at the well. Let me tell you a little bit about that. It's going to be co-ed. What? You never know what kind of food the ladies can bring, right? This is a good thing. So we don't want to be exclusionary and say it's just men's ministry. If you can stand to come be with the men for several hours while we digress into juvenilism, watching football, you are welcome to be here. We're happy to have you. Uh, it's going to be a potluck. Oh, there's a silence on the crowd. Uh, quick show of hands. How many of us have spent any time in our life in a Baptist church. Okay, these are the folks you'll want to get together with if you don't know what a potluck is all about. What it means is you bring food not just for you, but you bring food to share with others. That's kind of the big thing there. Um, and, and you learn that if you'd ever spent time in a Baptist church. Uh, fans of any team, I'm wearing my Rams garb today, but it could be all over today. Right? It may not be his will that they be playing in the Super Bowl. If they're going to lose today, I just pray that it's by less than two and a half points. <laughs> We're not going to decorate the church for your team. You're going to decorate you for your team. Hats, jerseys, whatever it is you want to don. I don't care. We don't care if your team's in it. You don't have to have your team in it. It's all good. Food to share, ideas. I've got a couple of props here. I was in Smart and Final, Friday night. These are just a few dollars. You could open this bad boy up and pour in Cheez-It party mix. You could buy several boxes of donuts and ding-dongs and fill it up, whatever, bring it to share. That's just one one idea. The second, this is my personal favorite. (laughs) I've got an area for two different kinds of dip. Look how old this is, it's turning yellow. You can bring this to serve yourself, right? Bring it to help with others. You pop the lid. You put your chips, your goodies, whatever you've got in there. There are food choices. We used to, for potlucks, cook ourselves. I will personally be bringing a crock pot full of my chili. I won't be able to eat it all, so I'm happy to share. There's some boundaries, though. A lot of trash talk goes on at Super Bowl parties. Things aren't as Christian as they should be. There's some areas where you can cross the line. This type of thing crosses the line, okay? So I don't know where I acquired this, but I have a few of these. So Kathy, out of total respect, this type of thing will not be allowed at this party. I just wanted you to know that I'm on top of getting out ahead of that. So there'll be judgments made. In the coming weeks leading up to the 11th of February, we're gonna continually talk this up, have some ideas if you don't come, that's okay, because I'll have enough chili and chips and stuff for me to make it happen. We'd love it if you join us, fellowship together, bring your friends. It's just a time to get together as a church family and uh, have a good time. Thank you.
1: Good morning. There is so much I could say after this. <laughs> that I won't. <laughs> um, so well, I'm just going to skip right over that. Um, so I, am, I wanted to make a short announcement about a quick announcement about women's Bible studies. Uh, some of them have started and some of them are going to start this week. So I just wanted to let you know about that. Uh, Monday morning, uh, there's a study 10 a.m. here. It did start last Tuesday, but you're welcome to still join. And that's the study of 2 Timothy, and it's facilitated by Diana. And uh, people are still welcome to join. Um, Tuesday at 2 p.m. on Zoom, Cindy is continuing uh, the study on Isaiah. Um, so um, that could, you know, jump in any time to that. And Tuesday, this Tuesday at 7 p.m., we are starting our Tuesday evening study We'll be studying uh, the book of Romans, and that'll be starting um, on the 16th. So that's this Tuesday coming up, and you're all welcome to come. Uh, we'll be giving a longer announcement about events that will be coming up for women's ministry this uh, year, maybe even just short term, but uh, we haven't quite made our plans yet. So we'll be giving a longer announcement on that soon. But thanks. Please join uh, the Bible studies um, It's a great opportunity to not only study God's word together, um, but to be connected with other women as well. Thank you. All right.
2: Yes, and let's, uh, let's give it up to Kathy for her godly example of restraint with not retaliating with the tongue. That's beautiful, Kathy. Thank you. All right. Uh, final announcement, uh, it's January 14th, and uh, we have giving statements coming up next Sunday. So I know that's important. Uh, so starting next Sunday here, we're going to have hard copies, if you would like a hard copy. If uh, there's other means that you would like your giving statement, you see on the screen there, you can email Bill at Bill at OVCF Church. Uh, there's really three options. You know, there's still snail mail. Uh, you can request an email copy or he can actually text a copy to you. Um, but if you would like something other than a hard copy, please um, email Bill and uh, let him know what you'd like, and he'll he'll make that happen. Okay. Well, good morning. I uh, want to say that I am really blessed uh, this past week. I heard that a number of you are making choices, making decisions, uh, particularly around the area of scripture and Bible reading. Uh, to, to, you know, drive the stake in the ground and, and begin 2024 in the word. And so I just want to encourage you uh, to keep going, to keep going. I know that some of you have partnered up and are reading through scriptures together. And for some of you, maybe it's the first time, uh, but well done, well done. You know, we, we were talking the last couple of Sundays from Philippians two and the apostle Paul and his desire and his, his choices that he was making and, uh, uh, you know, to press on, to strain forward, to forget what lies behind. But it really comes down to choices. And I really want to encourage you to keep that really uh, right there in the forefront. That throughout the rest of this day, even through this our time together here, the remainder of this sermon, you have choices. You can check out. You can take notes. You can listen. Right? Constant. We are constantly bombarded with choices. And lo and behold... Come December thirty-first, twenty twenty-four, where, where I am, where you are spiritually, is really gonna be the result of ten thousand, thousand little choices. You know, we may encounter some big ones along the way. There might be some things that, that happen where we, we have to make some significant choices, but quite honestly, most of life is just in the small, mundane, repetitive choices you know, even the spiritual disciplines, and those add up. They add up. It's kind of like eating, right? Many of you probably don't even remember what you ate in the last seven days, right? You know you ate. You know you needed to eat, right? But you don't necessarily remember exactly what it was because not every meal that you had the last six or seven days wowed you, right? But you did it. You did it. And that's, that's a great word picture for our journey with Jesus. There are things we do, choices we make, that don't always wow us. And sometimes in the, in the world of church, in our desire to make church, you know, uh, something that's appealing, you know, that word attractional and, and all of that, sometimes, and, uh, and this really happened when I was a youth pastor uh, for years and years, You know, we do Wednesday nights and we do games and there's music and there's lights and it's just always up, 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 up. And the challenge with that is sometimes I think we're teaching inadvertently that Christianity is always up, 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 up. Right, Because all these kids that come to youth group and it's always like Hume Lake and Disneyland and it's like, oh, it's always crazy and it's fun and we're yelling and screaming. And then they go home and have to do homework or listen to their parents or whatever it might do, chores, right? And so, you know, we love gathering here. We love all the Bible studies that are happening. But it's just really key moments that really surround the, the routineness of life. And the following of Jesus one step at a time. And it's grad, I'm glad that we get to do it together. And we're going to, uh, this Sunday and next Sunday, look at a couple more, uh, you say, focus words. Things that, you know, we had choices, which begins with the letter C. Today we're going to look at counting the cost. Next week we're going to look at commitment. Because I think these are three C, letter C, pillars that if we learn, get educated biblically, and then make some decisions, they can actually be three pretty strong stakes that we can drive in the ground, that in 2024, I'm going to purpose to make some godly choices, I'm counting the cost, and I'm going to be committed, we're going to be committed. And so we're going to look at this passage uh, over the next two weeks, today we're going to only focus on the first two verses, but i want to read the whole passage. In context, Jesus is talking about following him. And what it means to follow him. Last week, we talked about pursuing godliness. Really, pursuing godliness is just following Jesus. It's faithfully following Jesus. Because in the New Covenant, remember, we are in a relationship. We are in a New Covenant relationship through faith in Christ. So if you want to be godly, if you want to be holy, fundamentally, it means that in 2024, you want to follow Jesus. Right? And so Jesus says in Luke 9.23, he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So he's speaking, this sets the context of what the passage we're going to focus on, that Jesus is saying, hey, if you want to, if you want to follow me, that's awesome, but... It's a life of denial, and in and, and, and doing that and losing yourself and following me, you'll actually find fulfillment. You'll find purpose, right? And so in Luke nine fifty-seven, a little further down, this is what he says, little interactions he has with three different people. He says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests Of God, and so we're going to kind of divide that passage because the first interaction he has is what we're going to focus on. The other two, you know, they're they're kind of very similar because in the in the latter two, uh, you have two people come to say, "Hey, Jesus, I want, we're going to follow you, but first, but first. And so next week we're going to talk about this this principle of commitment and prioritization. And if there's anything in my life in your life, like, "Hey, I want to follow Jesus in 2024, but first." Right? And in the busyness of our lives, even the good things of our life, we might have next week, we'll see a bunch of several but firsts that might be hindering your spiritual growth. Today, we're going to focus on this person who says, I will follow you wherever you go. And a few years ago, we looked at what it means to follow Jesus. Okay? Matthew 4, familiar story. Jesus, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And we spent quite a bit of time on trying to understand contextually, biblically, in that culture, what it meant to follow somebody, particularly a rabbi. Because... If I fast forward to 2024 and we were to survey probably, you know, general population, they would say, what does it mean to follow Jesus? I go to church. What does it mean to follow Jesus? I read my Bible. What does it mean to follow Jesus? I I pray once in a while. I give. Is that really a, a, a real clear understanding of what it meant to be a follower, particularly of a rabbi? And... Really quick, I want to kind of help us understand the significance of when Jesus said, follow me, and why his early disciples dropped everything to follow him, and kind of allow God to speak to us about the nature of our following, because it's a hard condition. Are we really following, right? There was a prayer from the Mishnah that we looked at years ago, and it said, may you be covered by the dust of your rabbi. Right? Some of you remember that. There's a prayer, and it was a great description of a Talmud, or a student, who was following a rabbi. And they said, may you be covered by the dust of your rabbi. What that meant was, in that culture, when you, went, when you said, rabbi, I want to follow you, they literally followed him. And they wanted to be so close to their rabbi that his dust would cover them. That's a powerful Powerful word picture and challenge to us in 2024. When we say we're followers of Jesus, are we saying that we want to follow Jesus so closely that the dust of Jesus today would cover us? That's as closely as we're following Jesus. Because that's what it meant to follow a rabbi back in that time, right? A Talmudim, which is their word for student, followed his rabbi everywhere. Because every moment was an opportunity to learn. He was literally afraid to let his rabbi out of his sight, out of his hearing, because something might happen that he would not be able to learn. If the rabbi traveled, the Talmudin traveled with him. Every detail of the rabbi's life was copied, including his walk, talk, and mannerisms. That's what it meant to follow back in the culture. You didn't want to just learn. Because again, we equate following Jesus with academics and coming to church and learning and learning and learning and learning. In this culture, to follow a rabbi meant you wanted to become the rabbi. Talk, walk, eat like him. When he sleeps, I sleep. You wanted to become a clone of the rabbi. If we're going to follow Jesus with the same intentionality, we've got to understand I got to follow him, right? I want to be, because a lot of times, again, we, we kind of make it academic, and we say, well, let's be like Jesus, and then we put a whiteboard of all these characteristics that we try to add to us, right? Not necessarily wrong with that, unless you're forgetting that following Jesus is a relationship like this. It's like this, you have to be with him. You have to want to be with him, right? I'm glad that we get together once every seven days, but it's kind of hard to become a follower of Jesus if it's a once in every seven days thing, right? How many of you growing up, or if you're a parent, you've seen kids through middle school and high school, how many of you have ever been in a situation, and maybe you did this, I, I probably did where a, a kid goes to high school middle school and over time they start to dress act talk like their peer group. You ever see that happen? Right? Like little Johnny becomes just finds his little group and all of a sudden what happened to Johnny? He's like dressing different, he wears different shoes, all the hair, right? You look around even um Ojai, right? All the middle schoolers Ride the same e-bike. You just walk around, there's the accepted, there's the cool e-bike in Ohio. And if you want to know what the in e-bike is in Ohio, just like what the middle school boys are driving. You know what's in, right? What are they doing in that little peer group? They're following one another. And usually there's, you know the strong personality, the alpha male or alpha female, and everyone takes their P's and Q's from that person and they all start to dress alike and talk alike and do want to do the same things. Well, in many ways, that's what we're supposed to be doing with Jesus and with each other. Amen? That's the value of why we get together here, why you go to women's Bible studies, Super Bowl party, men's groups. It's to be around each other. Because more often than not, it's what's caught and not just taught. Following Jesus is 24-7, 365, and he puts you into the body of Christ to help all of us become more like him. That's the whole purpose of this, okay? It's not just an academic thing. And so uh, in Luke nine fifty seven, going back to those verses we're going to focus on, he says this. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go, right? That's a great New Year's resolution right there, right? Some of you might have written this in your journal, something like this already in January. 2024, the year of Jesus. I'm all in for Jesus. I'm driving, right? Some of you may have said something like this for 2024, right? Well, this person says it. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In Matthew 8, we actually find a a very important clue about who this person is that really opens up the application of this passage to 2024. In Matthew 8, it says this. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. It is absolutely crucial that we understand that this person who approaches Jesus with this great intention of following wherever he goes was a scribe because the nature of the scribe in that culture is really this culture right here, oh, hi, probably 99 plus percent of you right here. You know, when you think of a scribe, sometimes you might think of like a secretary, someone who's just sitting there and they're being told what to do. That's not a scribe. In this culture, scribes enjoyed authority, leadership, influence. Some considered them judges and lawyers. Okay? It was an honored profession. They were like white collar, okay? They were religious leaders. OK, advisors to chief priests, teachers of the law, community leaders. This is described. This is the person that came to Jesus and said, I'll follow you wherever you go. And I'm thinking of Ohi and middle class, upper middle class, upper class, successful, intelligent, educated, influential people like us with the same Desire and attention and maybe pronouncement. I'll follow you wherever you go. And then Jesus' response actually becomes more of a zinger. Because Jesus says, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he's kind of like, oh, really? Oh, really, Mr. Scribe? Mr. Professional, Mr. Successful, Mr. Living in Comfort, Mr. Influential in the Community, Mr. of a Good Reputation, Mr. Teacher of the Law. Oh, really? Well, let me just kind of break it down to you. At the base level, foxes are taken care of, birds are taken care of. If you're coming to follow me, my life is even harder than a fox and a bird. He's saying, you know what, if you're coming to follow me, you're talking about a radical life change here, bud. It's not a life of self-indulgence and comfort and convenience. It's a life of self-denial and faith and sacrifice, right? And, And I love that because Jesus is honest on the front end. He's honest on the front end. And biblically, we have to be honest with ourselves, and I have to be honest with you, at least on the front end of 2024, about what it could mean, what it could cost you, me, to follow Jesus in 2024. It's not to discourage you from following him. In fact, what it is, is to open your eyes biblically so that when these costs do come, you're prepared and you're victorious. Amen? You're not set up for failure. That would be doing you a disservice. Because quite frankly, there's a lot of buildings in this country and around the world right now filled with hundreds, if not thousands of people who are being told the opposite message. Jesus says, foxes have holes, birds have nests, But I have nowhere to lay my head. There's a whole lot of people being told, foxes have holes, birds have nests, you're going to get a mansion and a Lambo to put in that mansion and all your money and all your dreams and you're going to find the person of your greatest wishes, you're going to travel and Jesus is going to give you all of that if you follow him. And you know what happens? A whole lot of people want want that right filled right now. People are being told that if you follow Jesus, it's not what they call functional homelessness, where Jesus was you know being taken in as he was traveling. It's not functional homelessness. It's like home on a mansion. Follow Jesus. He's going to make all your wishes come true. Well, at the flesh level, who wouldn't go to that? Right? Who wouldn't want to hear that? That following Jesus is all about me and he's going to meet my wishes and he's going to, you know, life is going to be hunky-dory and, you know, who wouldn't want that? Well, sorry. Jesus says if you're going to follow me, you're going to be struggling worse than a fox and a bird. Right? Because if we around here repeatedly come at you with this prosperity gospel and follow Jesus, and he's going to give you all your dreams and all of this. You know what we're inadvertently doing? Setting you up for failure. Because when your dreams don't come true and when reality smacks you, you know what you're going to do? Walk away from Jesus. Why? Because Jesus didn't give you what you wanted and you're going to go look for the next thing that's going to meet your needs. Right? And so we have to be really honest and clear that following Jesus, you have to count the cost. There is a counting of the cost. Okay? And, and again, it's not a bad thing. It's an honest thing. Back in Luke 14... Uh, We'll go back to, I think it's the third one. It says, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. It's called counting the cost. I've been in ministry 30 years, and I've had the privilege to officiate many weddings. Uh, Prior to that, we always ask and kind of require people to come through premarital counseling. And here's the deal. We don't talk about the ceremony till the very last one or two sessions. You know what we spend weeks talking about? The harsh reality that awaits you the day after you say, I do. We spend weeks and weeks Counting the cost. Conflict resolution. Financial management. Toilet paper over or under. That's a real problem, isn't it? See, some people here are like, how does he know? I know. Because I have them fill out a survey regarding the toilet paper over and under. It'd be amazing. You what? Who does that? Who goes under? What's wrong with you? It's like, counting the cost of waking up with that person who looks so lovely in the in the tuxedo and the bridal and then you wake up and you're like oh my gosh this is a lifer and hopefully we have helped you to count the cost because like marriage and dating you know, when, you, when I've seen it, and I've been in youth ministry and, and all this, you know, the, the romance stage, the butterflies, the Instagram, and, the, you know, the texting. Will you follow me? Accepted. Will you follow me back? Accepted. Right? All of this. Right? All of the butterflies. Right? Right? Still going. Still going. Well, that's what you better say. You have no choice to say that. But one day, Brother Reagan, (laughs) the butterflies, bro, just might not be there. And you're going to have to transition from butterflies and romance and all of that emotional. Nothing wrong with that. But for a long and healthy marriage, how many of you know you have to transition into consistent, committed, self-sacrificial love? That isn't all peachy keen. That the commit, amen, honey, honey. First time you said amen, and like. Oh, now you're just thinking. Would you like to come up and share? We're gonna talk later. counseling Tyler you got an appointment availability this week i'm i'm coming in so just like in dating relationships there's you know that romance and it's all exciting but you have to transition into committed self-sacrificial love for the long haul right and it's not that it's not fun and enjoyable but it's a different type of commitment level that requires day in and day out choices and discipline and commitment right because you counted the cost on the front end it's the same thing with Jesus. Again, people come in and they get really hyped for Jesus, really excited for Jesus. And I'm billing me. There's, I love when people get excited for Jesus. I remember when I, you know, first got exposed to evangelical church and worship and Bible study and real deal people who were honest and like cared about me. I was like, this is awesome, right? And there's this kind of romance, excited stage when you get to church and you're meeting Jesus and you get saved, da-da-da. And you're like cloud nine. I want to serve. I want to do everything. Da, da 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 But just like a committed relationship, at a certain point, your relationship with Jesus has to transition into day in and day out self-sacrificial love and commitment to Jesus. Amen? Because following Jesus... Isn't always a bed of roses. And if you count the cost on the front end, which is what I love Jesus. He's saying, hey, okay, scribe, that's awesome, but you got to count the cost. I want you to count the cost here. I'm not going to sell you a bill of goods. I'm actually going to try to discourage you maybe. Right? In love. Not wanting to set up the scribe for failure by painting this rosy picture of what it is to follow Jesus. And so I was thinking, well, what are, what are some of the costs that, that maybe we need to count so we're not surprised, we're not blindsided in 2024, and we can actually walk in victory when these, if and when these come up? Well, if you're going to follow Jesus in 2024, you have to count the cost that you're in a spiritual warfare. You're in spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6.12 for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You got to count the cost. If you're going to follow Jesus, you can be faithful day in and day out. You got to understand there is an enemy that hates you, hates your guts, wants to destroy you, your marriage, your kids. And when you tank, they will mock you and they will mock Jesus with you. It's not a game; it's real deal. And it was interesting. Got to go to a wrestling tournament yesterday, and we're watching. and And this verse popped into my head. Right? That's the that's the pastor in me. Like, oh man! And when you see guys wrestle, it's real deal. They're not playing. It's me against you, and there's a whole lot of effort being put in for victory. And then when guys are and there was a few girls, are close to getting pinned. Oh, man, that's a moment. Because that person who does not want to be pinned is exerting everything they have to not get pinned. And that person who wants to pin them is exerting everything they have to make that happen. Well, if you're going to follow Jesus, Ephesians 6.12 says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You are in a wrestling match. You are in warfare. And you got to count that cost. Now here's the good side. Here's the flip side. Okay, I'm just saying that's cost. Here's the victory. Look what it says in verse 10 and 11. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We went through this and we went through Ephesians 6. It's in our library if you want to look at it. We went through every piece of the armor. Here's the thing. The Bible says in 2024, if you're going to follow Jesus, expect the devil to come at you. But he says, put on the full armor of God and you'll be victorious. Amen? You'll be able to stand. We are not to go into 2024 scared of the devil, afraid of the devil, because in Jesus we are victorious. But we have to do our part. You got to put the armor on. Right? You count the cost and you're committed. Right? Look at 1 Peter 5. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Amen? Amen. We have the victory, but we're called to be sober-minded, watchful, resist, be firm in your faith. There's things we need to do. We count the cost, and then we're committed on our end to do what we need to do. Just like in a marriage, every day you get up and you're committed to do what you need to do. Okay? Second thing that we have to count the cost if we're going to walk with Jesus, follow Jesus in twenty twenty four. You got to expect that the world is not going to like you. In fact, the world's going to hate you, and there's going to be persecution because you profess to be a follower of Jesus. It's getting a little bit worse in this culture, in, our, in our country. Professing Jesus, standing up for biblical values, morals, ethics, right? Go to other countries following Jesus will get you killed. Right? John 15, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If you're going to follow Jesus, 2024, you've got to count the cost that the world's going to hate you. They're going to label you. They're going to accuse you. They're going to try to slander you. And that's, you know, that's, uh, that's a tough one, because none of us want to be disliked. None of us want to even be hated. That's a strong word, to think that the world hates me. Yeah. Those are, in John 15, that's Jesus saying, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. you got to count that cost. Okay, now, it doesn't mean that we go forward in 2024 and go, oh, gosh, the world hates me. Why does the world hate me? I don't hate anybody. I just, I just want anyone to like me, right? Come on. When you count the cost, Jesus is just being up front. But here's the victory. Look at Here's the victory statement, okay? Matthew 5. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Amen? Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Amen? We count the cost moving into 2024. The world's going to hate us. The world's going to talk trash about us. The world's going to persecute us. But Matthew 5 says, "Woohoo!" Amen? It's how you choose to respond. And I choose to respond to what Jesus says in Matthew 5. You're blessed. Because if the world is persecuting you for following Jesus, my guess is you're doing something right. It means you're salt and light and you're standing out. Amen? And when you stand out in darkness, the darkness doesn't like it. Why? Because you, just by being you, bring conviction. Right? Just by being you. When I'm not even talking preaching, I'm just like, oh, you're a follower, right? Just by being you. Right? I shared this story years and years ago. My brother lived in San Jose. We would go visit him. And I used to, you know, golf kind of frequently at the time with my brother. So one time we went out golfing with him, and he invited a friend from, I think, work. And we're golfing, and this friend's not a believer, so he's just being a dude. If you know what I'm talking about on the golf course. He's talking, and, you know, just, not, you know, guys at the golf course, if you don't know golfing, you're out there for four or five hours. So this guy's just being a guy. And he's telling jokes, and he's just... Right? Afterwards, we're at a restaurant. Uh, it's some fast food thing where you have to get in line. And I don't know where my brother went, but his friend is there. And I'm walking, and I'm waiting in line. And he goes, this is like after the whole day. He turns to me finally and goes, hey, what do you do for a living? I'm like, uh-uh, pastor. Oh. And literally, I see him playing the tape back. Of the last five hours on the golf course together. And if he could have like slunk away, you know, that commercial, want to get away. That is literally. And I, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was the best thing ever because I was just having fun, you know, like, like when he was joking, you know, some of his stuff was funny. So I just kind of go along with it. And I wasn't like, but I was just being a guy, a normal guy on the golf course, golfing with him, Right. He's the one that felt funny after the fact, right? And and that's what I'm saying. is like when you go out there and you're just you and you're honoring and following Christ at home and in and, and your workplace or in your relationships, you're going to stand out and expect that some people may not feel comfortable with that, right? They might try to... You know, make you feel bad and, and, you know, oh, come on, you know, what are you, two good, goody two shoes and da da da, why don't you don't cuss, you don't, you know, what, all this kind of stuff. You know what? When you're hated and persecuted by the world for following Jesus, the Bible says you're blessed. And you are to rejoice, right? Literally, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. So someone hates you and persecutes you, just go cha ching, more rewards. More rewards, your bank account in heaven's getting bigger because you're doing something right. You must be doing something right. You must be kind of torquing them in a certain way for them to hate you and persecute you. So just stay the course. The Bible says you're blessed and your reward is great, okay? So we count the cost that we're in spiritual warfare, but we're victorious with the armor of God. We count the cost about hatred and persecution, but we rejoice because we're blessed. And every time we get trash-talked and hated, bank account in heaven just gets bigger. Pretty cool, right? The third thing that we have to count the cost if, we've, if we're going to move forward with victory is that in 2024, we have to count the cost that we're still going to struggle with our sin nature or the flesh. Okay? Galatians 5. But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Remember there in uh, Romans 7? How many of you identify with the Apostle Paul? Man, I keep doing things I don't want to do. And the things I don't want to do, I keep doing. Anyone? Anyone? You're like, oh, my gosh, are you serious, right? And what did he say in Romans 7 and Romans 8? It's this sin that's still in me that I'm battling. And so as we move forward individually and as a church, we have to count the cost that as we follow Jesus, we are still going to be tempted in the flesh, and the flesh is still going to rear up, and it's opposed to the Spirit, okay? Now, here's the victory. Here's the victory, right? Romans eight thirty five, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? In verse 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We already are victory. We're victors. We're more than conquerors. Amen? Remember, I've shared this with you before, and you might have heard this before. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. We already won. You are more than a conqueror in Jesus, right? And I love this. Look at Romans 6.4. We died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Verse six, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, amen? For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. You're no longer a slave to sin you can have victory over the flesh in 2024. Amen? You can conquer that habit. You can conquer that thing that has been just a thorn in your side for years and years. You can conquer it. And it might just be because you finally appropriate the biblical truth that you are no longer a slave to this thing. Amen? You're no longer a slave to it. Now, it may take some time for you to learn new habits, put on new patterns and all of that, but you have to fundamentally believe that you're no longer a slave to sin. You are no longer a slave to sin. One of the uh, illustrations, I wish I had something here. Isaac, I hope I don't mess up your electronics, but one of the illustrations that helped me as a young believer was an an electrical outlet, right? So this cord is plugged into this monitor, right? And before I came to Christ, that was me, plugged into sin. Just was. I was just plugged into sin nature. Spiritually dead, plugged into sin, slave to sin. When I become a believer, Isaac, I'm going to unplug this. Don't be mad at me. <laughs> now I have the court. That source is still there, but I can choose whether or not to plug in. See? It didn't really go It didn't go completely go away. But every time I choose not to plug back into sin, I glorify God. Every time I'm tempted and I choose not to plug back in, that reinforces that godly behavior and that new godly way of living, right? Now, every once in a while, the old Richie might rear up and... Right? And then you get convicted, and God, like, you know, brothers get in your face and they go, What are you doing? Da, da, da. And you get convicted. You confess and you repent, and you just unplug it. It doesn't have to stay plugged in. That's confession and repentance. What is biblical repentance? To turn away. In this case, what is biblical repentance? Unplug it. And maybe you ask brothers and sisters in Christ, Can you help me keep it unplugged? The next time I'm tempted to plug it in, can I call you? That's what we do, encourage one another. But you have to fundamentally believe that when you came to Christ, the power of sin was broken, and now it's in your hands. If you grasp that in 2024, you might see it. You might see temptation a whole lot different because all you're being tempted to do is plug back into your old nature. The flesh, the devil, the world, they're coming at you and just say, plug back in. Come on, just plug back in. And in Christ, you can literally say no. Amen? And every time you say no, woohoo! That's victory. That's victory. All right? So, understand that. You count the cost, right? We have spiritual warfare, <coughs> the world is against us. We're still battling with sin, but in all three of those, we are victory. We are victorious. Amen? Come on. We're not going into 2024 hoping for a win. We're going into 2024 already having one. That's a world of difference. In high school, I I ran a 4 by 100 track, and we made it to CIF one year. And I was third leg, and we got to the quarterfinals and CIF the first round. And, you know, all the, all the schools come, so it's school's not in your district. And we did well in our district, but all the other schools came like the big dogs came. And we were warming up, and I remember our, our, our lead leg, he just, he just wasn't himself. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, I'm just watching him and through warm-ups, it's just half-hearted and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And... I was just watching him, and I, I, I would see him looking at all the other teams. And then we lined up, and I, I remember I was third leg, so I got to watch him. When the race started, I just watched him, and he was just, he wasn't he wasn't running to win. He just kind of was going through the motions, right? And I remember by the, by the time the baton got to me, I was already, like, a little bit upset. And... Uh, but what happened was he had already quit. See, long before the gun went off, he had already said, we're losing. He had gotten so intimidated by the other teams, he didn't warm up right. He, he had already thrown in the towel. And when the one gun went off for the real race, he was just half-hearted going through the motions because in his mind, we already lost. What's the point? And I was I said, dude, come on, we didn't do this whole season for you to throw in the towel and not even give us a chance. But see, it was a a choice he made. There was something going on here that he was already a loser and we had already lost and it was already a game over. So why try? There's a lot of Christians who don't understand what's going on here. And you're going to miss out on God's blessings in 2024. Because you're just going through the motions and you're just kind of, you already feel like it's just another year and I've always been this and I can't this and I've tried this for years and nothing seems to work and you're intimidated by the world, you're intimidated by the devil and you you know, all this kind of stuff. You got to stop. Stop today. I just wish my friend who ran the first leg, what really would have just been so much better, and would have made me feel really good. Dude, run to win, and if we don't, at least we all ran to win, right? Run to win this year. There's so many things that are gonna happen in my life and in your life that are out of your control. They, they just really are out of your control. What is in control is your attitude, your reactions, walking in the spirit, choosing to follow Jesus, That is in your control, amen? And if you do that in a godly way, you're a winner, right? But the devil, one of his greatest tools is discouragement, accusation and discouragement. He doesn't want a lot of more than conquering Christians leaving here today, going out into the community and having lunch with some zeal and joy. No, he'd rather have less, oh, yeah, well, it's going to be a tough year, and there's going to be an election, and a whole lot of things happening in the world. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Oh, 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 oh. You know what we're going to do? We're going to run to win in 2024. Because we're already winners. We're going to just be who we are in Christ more than conquerors. And as we like to say, we're going to let the chips fall where they fall. We're just going to let them fall. But I'm excited because we're going to go, whatever happens, we're going to go and the consequences are going to be because we're running to win around here, right? And it's okay. I can take that. Let's take that. Let's do that. Be who you are in Christ. The Bible says you are more than a conqueror, which means super victorious. You already are, right? You've been given the armor of God. You can resist the devil. You're no longer a slave to sin. When the world persecutes you and hates you, ching! You're almost untouchable. Amen. Come on. And when the valleys come. We're going to cry together. We're going to pray together. We're going to encourage one another. We're going to walk through the valleys together. And when the celebrations come, we're going to celebrate together. And at the end of this year, we're going to cross the finish line. We're going to cross the finish line. And we're going to cheer each other on. We're just going to cheer each other on. I'm looking forward to it. It's only January 14th. And I'm excited. You know? We've never had a helmet with dip and stuff coming out of here. (laughs) I guess we're trying new things around. We never, like you said, we've been to church for 14 years. We never had a Super Bowl thing. Why not? Some of you get involved in women's studies and men's studies. Serve around here. Just do it. We got Barry and Alan, new facility landscaper guys, doing a great job. Amen? right? Gigi out here Thursdays. Doing the leaves, meeting the neighbors, like Gigi's like an ambassador on Thursday morning. She knows all the walkers and everything because she's out here doing leaves. Because she loves to be with the Lord and take care of the Lord's facility, she's just being her. Take a, take a risk, take a spiritual risk in 2024, and see what God does in your life. Right? So I love this because we're just counting the cost, but we also claim the promise. Amen? We're going to count the cost. Sure, there's a devil. Sure, there's a world that hates us. Sure, there's sin. But I'm also claiming the promises of victory. Amen? Amen. Claim the promises of victory. Next week, we're going to continue, and we're going to look at commitment and Jesus' interaction with the other two. But by all means, take time. If for some reason you've been weighted down and hesitant to kind of move forward, Maybe it's because something has been, you know, hindering you. Now you've been equipped today through God's word for victory in three areas. Victory in spiritual warfare. Victory, fear
0: of hatred and persecution. Victory over the flesh. (laughs) Amen? This is the start of the announcement time. Since I'm here already, I'll start. Super Bowl party. Our first annual Well Super Bowl party will be here at the church Sunday, February 11th. To be determined on the game time, game will be in Las Vegas. We will be here in Ohio at the Well. Let me tell you a little bit about that. It's going to be co-ed. What? You never know what kind of food the ladies can bring, right? This is a good thing. So we don't want to be exclusionary and say it's just men's ministry. If you can stand to come be with the men for several hours while we digress into juvenilism, watching football, you are welcome to be here. We're happy to have you. Uh, it's going to be a potluck. Oh, there's a silence on the crowd. Uh, quick show of hands. How many of us have spent any time in our life in a Baptist church? Okay. These are the folks you'll want to get together with if you don't know what a potluck is all about. What it means is you bring food not just for you, but you bring food to share with others. That's kind of the big thing there. Um, And and you learn that if you'd ever spent time in a Baptist church. Uh, Fans of any team, I'm wearing my Rams garb today, but it could be all over today. right? It may not be his will that they be playing in the Super Bowl. If they're going to lose today, I just pray that it's by less than two and a half points. (laughs) We're not going to decorate the church for your team. You're going to decorate you for your team. Hats, jerseys, whatever it is you want to don, I don't care. We don't care if your team's in it. You don't have to have your team in it. It's all good. Food to share, ideas. I've got a couple of props here. I was in Smart and Final, Friday night. These are just a few dollars. You could open this bad boy up and pour in Cheez-It party mix. You could buy several boxes of donuts and ding-dongs and fill it up, whatever, bring it to share. That's just one one idea. The second, this is my personal favorite. (laughs) I've got an area for two different kinds of dip. Look how old this is, it's turning yellow. You can bring this to serve yourself, right? Bring it to help with others. You pop the lid, you put your chips, your goodies, whatever you've got in there. There are food choices. We used to, for potlucks, cook ourselves. I will personally be bringing a crock pot full of my chili. I won't be able to eat it all, so I'm happy to share. There's some boundaries, though. A lot of trash talk goes on at Super Bowl parties. Things aren't as Christian as they should be. There's some areas where you can cross the line. This type of thing crosses the line, okay? So I don't know where I acquired this, but I have a few of these. So Kathy, out of total respect, this type of thing will not be allowed at this party. I just wanted you to know that I'm on top of getting out ahead of that. So there will be judgments made. In the coming weeks leading up to the 11th of February, we're going to continually talk this up, have some ideas, if you don't come, that's okay, because I'll have enough chili and chips and stuff for me to make it happen. We'd love it if you join us, fellowship together, bring your friends. It's just a time to get together as a church family and uh, have a good time. Thank you.
1: Good morning. There is so much I could say after this. <laughs> that I won't. (laughs) Um, So I'm just going to skip right over that. Um, So I am, I wanted to make a short announcement about, a quick announcement about women's Bible studies. Uh, Some of them have started and some of them are going to start this week. So I just wanted to let you know about that. Uh, Monday morning, uh, there's a study 10 a.m. here. It did start last Tuesday, but you're welcome to still join, and that's the study of 2 Timothy, and it's facilitated by Diana, and uh, people are still welcome to join. Um, Tuesday at 2 p.m. on Zoom, Cindy is continuing uh, the study on Isaiah Um, so, um, that could, you know, jump in anytime to that. And Tuesday, this Tuesday at 7 PM, we are starting our Tuesday evening study. We'll be studying, uh, the book of Romans and that'll be starting, um, on the 16th. So that's this Tuesday coming up and you're all welcome to come. Uh, we'll be giving a longer announcement about events that will be coming up for women's ministry this, uh, year, maybe even just short term, but, uh, we haven't quite... Quite made our plans yet so we'll be giving a longer announcement on that soon but thanks please join uh, the Bible studies Um, it's a great opportunity to not only study God's word together um, but to be connected with other women as well thank you all right
2: yes and let's uh, let's give it up to Kathy for her godly example of restraint with not retaliating with the tongue that's beautiful, Kathy. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, final announcement. Uh, it's January 14th, and uh, we have giving statements coming up next Sunday. So I know that's important. Uh, so starting next Sunday here, we're going to have hard copies. If you would like a hard copy. If uh, there's other means that you would like your giving statement you see on the screen there, you can email Bill at Bill at Church. Uh, There's Really, three options. You know, there's still snail mail. Uh, you can request an email copy, or he can actually text a copy to you. Um, but if you would like something other than a hard copy, please um, email Bill and uh, let him know what you'd like, and he'll he'll make that happen. Okay.